0: Hello and welcome to the Henna Hundle Show. I'm your host, Hannah Hundle, and the Henna Hundle Show is a syndicated program. Here on the Henna Hundle Show, we feature the world's foremost experts for groundbreaking discussion within their respective fields, spanning medicine, science, technology, business, politics, policy, law, and more. Join me, your host Hannah Hundle, on a mission to unpack and understand how contemporary high impact issues are being tackled by the world's most influential leaders. For today's episode, I'm bringing you an installment in our 2020 U.S. presidential series as we have an interview with Republican candidate Joe Walsh, the former representative for Illinois' 8th district. Representative Walsh was a supporter of President Trump in the 2016 general election, but now says he has changed his tune and is hoping to seek the Republican Party's nomination for 2020. This primary challenge is interesting because Representative Walsh calls President Trump morally unfit for office. However, Representative Walsh himself bears a record of making comments that many people have deemed racist, inflammatory, incendiary, or just plain inappropriate. In an interview with MSNBC, Representative Walsh admitted, quote, I've said racist things on Twitter. Many such tweets have been widely rebuked for encouraging violence against minorities and have even resulted in his own Twitter account being suspended. So why does he believe he's a better alternative to President Trump? Well, we're going to ask him. Knowing of his history, I think it's still important that we ask him about his positions on the issues because he is, after all, running as a candidate in this cycle to be our president. So please join me now in welcoming to the program, Representative Walsh. So Representative Walsh, you've said that if you were still a member of the House of Representatives at this time, you would vote to impeach President Trump. You yourself voted for him in 2016, and to this day, by and large, we've seen the GOP stand behind him. As you run for the Republican nomination, what does this say about your party?
1: Uh, that the party right now is not a party. It's a cult. It's full of a bunch of cowards and sycophants who have decided to defend Donald Trump and not defend the principles that made, you know, Van and me Republicans uh, to begin with. It's really, really, really disappointing.
0: And so, given that you voted for the president in 2016, help us to understand this shift in your perspective. Why enter the race now?
1: Yeah, I voted, and I voted for Trump in 16, not because I loved him or liked him. I didn't. Um, he he wasn't Hillary Clinton. Um, it was an easy vote. I figured Donald Trump is a goof. Um, maybe he'll hire a couple good people and maybe a couple nice things. Will happen. I was not a huge enthusiastic supporter. He blocked me on Twitter during that campaign. So when he first got elected, I tried to do the whole good Trump, bad Trump thing. I praised him when he did something good and I criticized him when he did something bad. It became clear to me, Hannah, uh, uh, pretty quickly that almost every word out of his mouth was a lie. Uh, I don't care where you are politically. None of us can support this kind of dishonesty. And the final straw with me with Trump was at the Helsinki summit back in the summer of 2018 when he stood in front of the world and said, I believe Putin and not my own people. To me, he's the most disloyal president we've ever had.
0: You've called President Trump unfit for office, a charge that we've seen levied at the president repeatedly from the other side of the aisle as well. And typically, when Democrats talk about his unfitness, they're referring both to his actions and his rhetoric. You know, Congressman, many people look at some of the history of comments and remarks that you've made during your time in the public eye and say that your rhetoric has not always been entirely unlike the president's. So I want to hear from you on what grounds specifically you feel that this president is unfit for the job on actions or rhetoric.
1: Uh, Both. And and what's interesting, Hannah, this this isn't about Trump's rhetoric, though his rhetoric is deplorable. But as far as I'm concerned, when a president says something, he's doing something. Look, when I say Trump's unfit, it's a serious charge. But this is what I mean. He's two reasons, really. He's incapable of telling the truth. I mean, incapable. Um, That's one. And all you got to do is look at this this weekend. He. He went to Afghanistan on Thanksgiving, and he said that the Taliban has agreed to peace talks and a ceasefire. I mean, the head of the Taliban came out today and said, I don't know what Trump's talking about. I mean, think about it. Right now, the head of the Taliban is more believable than the president. The second reason, Hannah, that Trump is unfit is because he's incapable of putting the country's interest ahead of his own. I mean, he's literally incapable of doing that. That's dangerous.
0: So you've joined others like Governor Bill Weld in floating this idea of reclaiming the Republican Party. Is that chiefly how you view this primary challenge as a bid to get the party back in order?
1: No, I, I, I see it as a, a fight for the, the, the safety and well-being of the country. Um, look, I'm running as a Republican because I, I want the Republican Party to stand to the things that that I that made me a Republican, freedom and limited government and opportunity for all. But no, Hannah, this is first and foremost, I truly, this is for the country, I truly believe Trump is a danger. I believe another four years of Trump would put the institutions that you and I cherish at risk, if if I can help wake up Republicans, because right now the, the Republicans are a bunch of cowards and everything I say about Trump publicly, people like Rubio and Cruz, all of them, they believe it privately. They don't have the courage and the decency to speak out. If I can help uh, a lot, you know, give them, you know, the opportunity to speak out against Trump, that that would be great.
0: What do you think it would take, though? to siphon away support that, at least publicly, President Trump seems to continue to have from the stalwarts of the party and his base that carried him to victory in 2016. What do you think it'll actually take?
1: Well, you and I know, forget about the stalwarts of the party, because my former colleagues in the House and the Senate, they follow public opinion. All they care about is getting reelected. The Republican Party establishment, the bosses, All they care about is wiping Trump's feet every day. They will all follow public opinion. And right now, you and I see polls that Trump's got, what, 80 90% of Republicans support him. I think that support is really soft, Hannah. I've been campaigning a lot in New Hampshire and Iowa and all over the place. And I can tell you, most Republican voters, even though they say, I like some of the things Trump's done, they're sick and tired of his BS. They're sick and tired of the drama and the cruelty. And and they're really tired. And a lot of them can't envision going through another four years of this. They just don't feel like they have an alternative.
0: So let's talk about policy proposals. Healthcare and Medicare for all inspired plans have been popular in the conversation on the other side of of the aisle. And you've tweeted, quote, Healthcare is not a right. Your rights do not come from the government. So let me just hear from you. What is your plan to increase access and affordability to quality health care for Americans?
1: Yeah, it's, and it's such a great question. And Republicans are afraid to talk about health care because the Democrats uh, have a good, easy answer. Just, you know, Medicare for all, the government will take care of everybody. I think we've seen that we, we need to have a conversation about how much that's going to help or, or h- how the country can afford that. Look, I think we need to rethink health care in this country, uh, health care and health insurance, um, because right now this is the single largest uh, budget item in the federal government, and it's growing the fastest. Hannah, if I'm elected, I want to start a conversation where we do rethink about healthcare, and where we get to a place where the government is always there to take care of the people who have chronic conditions and are in need but most able-bodied Americans need to begin paying for the day-to-day costs of their health care. I wanna lead that conversation.
0: So I assume you're not a supporter of the Green New Deal as it's been laid out. Do you and how would you plan to address climate change in the here and now?
1: Yeah, and it's interesting, Hannah. Climate change is an issue where I've changed. Um, back in my conservative talk radio days, I'd go after, uh, you know, people on on the climate change side too much. But the more I've studied the issue, look, climate change is real. I think there's no doubt that man, you know, humankind is contributing to the change in the climate. We've got a president right now who, and truthfully, too many people in my Republican Party call climate change a hoax. Um, I, I, right now and and the problem, Hannah, that's crazy, right? Republicans are denying the facts, but the problem is we have no seat at the table when it comes to solutions. And so right now you've got the green new deal and everybody else dominating the conversation. Look, I think we need to bring all sides to the table. I think that American entrepreneurship, American innovation has always led the charge in solving our problems. I think when we look at the climate, there are things we need to do now and there are things we need to do over the course of the next hundred years. And I want American industry. I want both political parties. I want government. I want everybody at that table.
0: Another hot button issue has been tax reform, with debate not just about whether the wealthiest Americans should contribute more in taxes, but specifically how much more. And that threshold is the subject of disagreement among many of the Democratic candidates. Do you think the tax system as it's laid out right now is unfair? Would you want to raise taxes on the wealthiest Americans?
1: I I, I, I do. Look, I, I'm generally kind of someone who believes that the American people, wealthy, middle class and poor know better how to. I I didn't support Trump's tax cut uh, of a year or two ago because that was just a giveaway to the wealthy. I would have preferred a payroll tax uh, to the middle class. I think the wealthy do pay their fair share. And let's be honest, the wealthy in this country, you know, the people who hire people and start businesses, we don't want to overly penalize them. I want to get to. But here, here's the problem. We have a government right now, and it all comes down to government. I think we have a government right now that's too big. And so I think the question is, what should government be doing? And then what revenues do we need to support that government?
0: And that was an interview with 2020 Republican presidential candidate, Representative Joe Walsh. You've been listening to The Henna Hundle Show. I'm your host, Hannah Hundle, and I thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.